In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. I'm here with my co-host, Jack. Jack, how are you? I'm good. It's, it's taken a couple of days, but I'm now feeling a bit more positive about the world after the loss. So, uh, no, I'm finally smiling. Um, I didn't watch the uh, game today. It's the first day I haven't watched it at least once or twice. So, uh, I think that's why I might be a bit more positive. Uh, we might have the worst special teams unit the world's ever seen. But Baker's great and I'm all happy. And we've got an exclusive today. We have got someone in the Browns building on... Zoom at the moment. We have got Ken Carmen from 90, the 923 The Fan Radio Show. Ken, welcome Hi. to England. How are you? It, this is incredible. Thank you guys very much for having me. I, okay, I got to ask Jack something. Now, you've watched the game how many times over? Four. Uh, <laughs> plus once live, so five in total. Why? Because Why? Um, I watched the game first live. I rewatched it just because I just wanted to see what was going on, what was happening. I rewatched it once, basically, just to look at all of our first down plays on offense um, because it was just been annoying the play calling. Um, and rewatched it a couple other times just to sort of. I've only rewatched it the uh, game in 40 on Game Pass, so I haven't sat there for the full three hours. But uh, no, I, I want to see what was going wrong, what was going right. Mm. And. Uh, do what I do. Oh, Jack. I was so upset. I, I swear to God, I was so upset with how things went. Uh, I, I, I just started watching Raven Steelers. I, I watched I watch it again once, and I, I, there was one thing where I think Bruce Irvin – I think I wanted to put the part where Baker got away from Bruce Irvin, and I wanted to put that up on Twitter. But, uh, I, I mean, I'll go back and watch it. I, I'm already trying to move on because it, it's just, it got so close. So it's like, okay, yeah, there was a couple of things that didn't go the way I wanted them to, obviously, and I was really upset about that. But man, you just you're glad for punishment over there, buddy. You I'll be like, watching it again tomorrow at twenty two. So uh, there's oh. more go to have. Oh, that's so bad. I'm so sorry. Ken, so, let me. Uh, can I ask you guys? It, it sucks because I know that you guys have you guys have done your podcast, and so. Your audience already knows why you guys are Browns fans and stuff, but I, I got to ask, how did you guys become Browns fans? I'll start very simply. My name's Paul Brown Ken. Uh-huh. Um, and 15 years ago, my, my best friend went over to the States. He bought me back uh, T-shirts with the Browns on, and there's, there's no other team for me. I could go with the Bengals with the Paul Brown Stadium, but I love the word Brown, Paul Brown. I'm a Browns fan, simple as that. Jack? So, um, about 10 years ago, when I was a kid, went over to the States, turned on TV. It was New England versus Miami. So, from that point, I was like, oh, I'll support the team of England in the name. And then it was sort of three, four years ago when I was getting more into the NFL. Um, it was like, you can't be the team that's just winning because people go, oh, you're just a glory hunter. So, mm. uh, Paul D. Podesta joined the Browns. And that was the moment I went, I'm a Browns fan. And uh, 
No, Paul D. Podesta is the reason I'm a Browns fan. You're kidding me. 100%. Oh, uh, my God. That's very good. I love those reasons for it. Usually, we're just like, it's like, okay, you're from here, you're a Browns fan. That's the way it works. Because if you're a Steelers fan, it's like, all right, what's the terrible reason you're a Steelers fan? Like that type of thing. But those are good. I love that. I love that. It's simple and I love it. Thank you very much. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I know you guys are doing the thing. I, just, like, I, I, I had to know. I just had to know. I'm sorry. Well, well, Ken, the show's about you today and you're on the other side of the mic. And the first question I'm going to ask is, your fans probably don't know this, but why are you a Browns fan? Well, my dad, it, it was, my mom's a Browns fan. My dad is a Dolphins fan. Ooh. And growing up, it was like, well, because, and again, when they moved in 95, it's like, all right, you know, whatever. But I like the Browns. And my dad, he doesn't hate the Browns whatsoever. And it's because anytime I say my dad's not a Browns fan, they go, oh, he must be a Steelers fan. No, he's a Dolphins fan. And since I started working, you know, here and being on the air here, he certainly take a much better interest. So I would still say by proxy, he's a Browns fan. Just because you know I'm I'm involved with them and everything like that, but it's just I, my neighborhood because of the time I grew up it, it, when they left, there was a lot of kids who were fans of other teams. Like I had a Redskins fan, Falcons fan, a couple of Dolphins fans, you know, a lot of Bears fans, and it was just my neighbor, a Raiders fan. And then when you start to get a little bit older and you can start to take road trips up to Cleveland and things like that, then it just becomes more of a oh they're your favorite team and. It, you you want to you know you want to be able to hang out with your buddies you want to be able to have a team to root for and plus since they came back in 99 it's like well, you're going to start from the ground up might as well be a Browns fan so it was like this weird odyssey where I was a kid and I was a Browns fan and then when I was when they were gone it was like all right I like the Dolphins and I hated the Ravens never liked the Steelers certain yeah, I've, I've always been whatever about the Bengals never really been a big fan but then when they came back in 99, it's like, well, you, you, know, you know, you might as well ride the train now. And then when they made the playoffs just a few years after, it was like, oh, God, this is going to be something else. And then I think you stay. I, I, don't, I, think, <laughs> I think you stay because you want to be there when it turns. Because I think a lot of people get the feeling of the second I give up on them is when it's going to turn. And then you feel guilty. I don't care who you are. You feel guilty about that if you leave. So – it, it was it was harder and harder and harder, and then I started doing the show at the fan, and it became really hard, but it makes it a lot easier because then you really get to meet a lot of other Browns fans. And so even though there's obviously differences of opinion, a lot everybody's going through the same thing. They all want the same thing at the end. We just disagree sometimes on, on how to get there, but everybody wants the same thing. So I don't know. I guess I don't, I don't take that side of it as seriously as maybe as I should, but the fandom, yeah, the fandom's all there. Fandom you definitely take seriously. Oh, excellent. And uh, Ken, do you, know, do you know a lot of British Browns fans? You guys are the first ones I've ever met. It's an exclusive. Yeah. We're like Ken's first British Browns fans. The first ones I've ever met. Because that's why I had to ask. Oh, good God, how'd they become Browns fans? I love it. <laughs> and Ken, I'm over in Cleveland in uh, 10 days' time. You'll be here for the Chargers game? Correct, yeah. Oh, my God. You, okay, so you'll be there on Sunday. Yes. What day do you get here? I fly in uh, midnight on the Sunday, like Sunday, one minute past midnight, and then I leave midnight the same day. I'm in Cleveland for 24 hours. Oh, my goodness. All right, I'm going to have to try to find you when you get here. 
It's going to be hard. There's a lot of people that want to meet me. I'm going down to the uh, Muni lot first, then the stadium. Okay. I get at the state. I get to the stadium at about 8 a.m. You'll be at the Muni lot, and then um, I usually leave. I usually leave at about 11:30. I head up to West Six. We have a pregame for the fan at West Six. Um, which is just in the warehouse district there, and then I usually head back to the stadium. Well, let's, try and meet up. let's try and meet after the game. We'll try, yeah, absolutely. All right, excellent. Look, Ken, I know you've got a lot of people you want to meet afterwards. You're in the Brea building. You're probably meeting Dorsey straight after us. So um, <laughs> let's, let's fly through this. Go ahead, go ahead. Which, um, which player in the Browns organization would you most want to go for a drink with? Oh, jeez. So many of them are so young, i got to make sure they're 21 and of legal age here. Um, I would still say – I'll still say Joe Batonio. It used to be Joe Thomas, easily Joe Thomas. Uh, but I'll say Joe Batonio. And then defensively, I like Christian Kirksey, but I don't think he drinks that very much. But I'll say Christian Kirksey defensively, yeah. He's good on the drums. And Joe – has a British family, actually. Oh, okay. Well, then that makes perfect sense. Yeah, okay, Absolutely. good. And uh, if you were Dorsey for the day, I want something positive, nothing negative. Mm-hmm. What would be the first change you do to the Browns? Change? Gosh. I, he's made so many changes already. I don't know what I, – I, I don't think – give more carries to Nick Chubb. Can I do yeah. that? Can I do that as John Dorsey for the day? You can do whatever you want. Okay, I, I, I'd give more, I'd give more carries to Nick Chubb, and I give, and I'd make sure Ken Carmen uh, gets uh, the parking spot that he wants. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got a good parking spot at the moment or not? Oh, I got, I still got a pretty decent parking spot, but uh, you know, I'm built for comfort, baby. I'm built for speed, so yeah. anything closer would be fantastic for me. And are you like uh, um, Wiley turning up in a Rolls Royce or? Uh... He look. I don't have the motion that he does where I fall in and get and roll out. He's very good at that. I got a truck, so I'm kind of like hopping up in and I kind of fling myself up into it. And then I'm just able to come out of it. So that's fine. Oh, excellent. And the last question here is, what body part are you willing to give up for the Browns to win the Super Bowl? Bigger the better. That's the clue. I love testicle easily. Testicle. Am I allowed to say that? On your, yeah, of course on your, you can. Okay, yeah. I'll give up a testicle for it. Okay, I have no good, problem good. doing that. Yeah, Ken, I'm going to join you. Yeah. Browns win a Super Bowl. I'll give up a testicle too. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, Jack, where's your balls, mate? Where's your balls? Are you going to give up a testicle? No, because I don't need to give anything up because Baker's going to win me at least one in his first five years. It's all good. <laughs> at least. All right. I hope so. I mean, obviously, I hope so. If they finish with six or seven wins, there's no reason to not think they can play. They can have you. They can go to the playoffs next year. I think oh, that's, I, if it's on the same trajectory as Carson Wentz, you'd have to think the same way, right? I mean, yeah. you, can, you can have those expectations for him. I think that's fair. Ken, what are your 30 seconds take on the Raiders game? I was just – I was so very disappointed in knowing that they're young and I had to come back down to reality a little bit. When you're a young football team and you're still learning how to win, you're going to have games where you have an implosion, and that was an implosion. And I hate saying that, but that's the truth of it. I felt bad for the execution of it, but overall, I've had a month of good football games. We should have a better record than what we have, but I think that this thing's moving in a positive, positive way, and I'm very happy that Baker Mayfield played well. I, I do think he did. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, 
there's one angle that I've thought about, and I don't think anyone's talked about this at all. And, like, Ken, are you a soccer fan? Uh, okay. I used to, there was a time where I was ignorant and I wasn't a fan. Um, and there's maybe a guy that you guys know about, Caleb Porter, who was an MLS coach. He was a coach at Akron. And when I went to University of Akron, they had a really good soccer program. So long story short, uh, watching them gave me a respect for it. So I appreciate it, but I don't, I don't know the intricacies of it probably the way you guys would want me to. Yeah. Well, because my idea was this, Jack, and you can have a, a point on this. We've got goal line technology in, in soccer, okay? And it's in the World Cup. And if that ball goes over the line, we can zoom in and really get into the detail whether that ball has actually crossed the line. Classically, in 66, England scored a goal that wasn't a goal, but we didn't have the technology then. Mm-hmm. But my question is, why have the NFL not got this technology? It's out there in soccer, but why can't we just work out what actually the, the 10 yards is to a millimeter? They'll say it's up to the competition committee, but ultimately it's always up to the owners. And if the owners don't think they can trust it for whatever reason, maybe it's monetizing it, sponsoring it, whatever it might be, then they're not going to do something like that. I mean, the, the owners really run the league in a lot of ways. So if you want something to get done – you got to get it done with the owners. I think, hell, I didn't even know that. And after what happened on Sunday, what transpired on Sunday, uh, I'd certainly be all for it. Because even if, you know what, even if Carlos Hyde didn't get it, at least I know, at least I know that he really didn't deserve it. But now it's just a big question of it. And Al Riveron saying, well, we have this angle. Okay, well, you know what, you're a public entity and you have a lot of fans and obviously it's a public thing. So show the angle if you say you have an angle. Because I don't believe, until you show me, I don't believe you have the angle. Yeah. Um, Jack, you got a view on this. So it's slightly easier in soccer because it's one fixed line that the cameras are all fixed around, so it's really easy to monitor. Whereas, obviously, if you're trying to monitor the entire length of a field, it's Mm. harder. But there is nothing really stopping you. If you wanted to add the monitoring system all the way down the sidelines – put sort of a circle around the middle of the ball, uh, measuring point in the end of each ball. And then as soon as that person's arm hits the floor, you then measure from that point and then you can get the exact line. The trouble is how often is it needed? I would say it's probably one of those things that for the cost to do it all the way down the sidelines of 32 stadiums would be incredibly expensive for something that, well, it's only once a year or something is really any use to it. So... I think it's a nice idea in principle, maybe the sort of thing you might do for goal lines, but I don't know if it's going to happen for uh, all the plays. Or if you just did it on first and um, you set it for the first down line and you just put it on machines that slid up and down, you might be able to do it a bit cheaper that way. Well, I'll tell you what, still for a goal line, because there's so many situations where that happens at the goal line. And you have so many bodies down there, you don't know whether or not they're getting in or out. So I'd still put it at a goal line. Now, if it wasn't, and this is where the owners get brought in, if it's not cost effective, that's going to bother them because they always want a healthy bottom line. But, hey, you know, we have so many other ways of technology that I, I never thought would ever be possible. And when I still break it down to the good old system of the chains and the sticks, all right, you had the chains and the sticks and you measured once, and then you didn't want to measure again for whatever reason over here. And I'm the one who's got to stand there and go, oh, well, the NFL's not fixed. Well, people are going to get upset about something like that. And so, no, I don't believe it's fixed, but I do believe that there was boobery going on, 
And I think that's just, again, the silliest possible outcome that you could have. And I know they could have played defense. I know they could have made a stop. So many things. But when you measure and it's a first and you come down and you won't measure again, it, it just – it does feel that it's been stolen from you a little bit. And as a fan, for the team, they got to move on. Today's Wednesday. they got they, they got to figure out about Baltimore. They can't carry that burden in or they're just going to get stoned out against Baltimore. And we got bigger problems on our hands. But as a fan, yeah, I'm allowed to lament over that. I'm allowed to be upset yeah. over that. Yeah. Well, Ken, I agree with you. Let's, let's move forward and let's talk about the future. Um, what's next for the Browns? Next four days? Do you think that we're going to get any more additional to the roster or are, are we uh, reinforced now for the um, Ravens? Well, losing, losing Terrence Mitchell is a big deal because I thought he was playing really well. Um, and I want to get I want to make sure Demarius Randall's healthy because I think he's played so much better at a safety. Um, Jeremiah McKinnon is a, is a good young player with some potential, but he still needs to develop. And he's just not what Terrence Mitchell is. Now, Terrence Mitchell was a seventh-round pick, so we'll maybe you know maybe Jeremiah McKinnon will come up with something. But uh, I am worried about their depth as time goes on because there's only so many guys you can get as the season rolls on. So I think they got a good base, and I look at it as skeleton without guts. You got to get more guts, and the only thing you can do is wait till another offseason to really get good players that you can count on. Yeah, I think EJ Gaines is going to get a lot more snaps, obviously, on Sunday. He'll have to, yeah. Uh, TJ Carey obviously is going to uh, get some, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see with McKinnon if he gets any snaps. Jack, do you think he's going to get any snaps on Sunday, McKinnon? Uh, probably not. I think it might be at the stage where he's inactive, but it's one to keep an eye on. Um, obviously, there's a few names been flowing around who we might replace him with. But I saw a really interesting stat with from PFF in 42 snaps this season, Gaines allowed three catches on six targets and a passer rating of 33.3 when targeted. So I thought he hadn't done that well, but the numbers seem like it's not too bad. Um, obviously, it's such a small sample size, it doesn't mean too much. Uh, at least there's some positive signs. Well, I know that because it, it just depends on what they're, what they're going to feel is going to be really important come game day because if, if Jeremiah has to go up, and he's got to be active, then maybe someone gets bumped up and off of special teams, and I have to worry about Jeremiah McKinnon on special teams. But say you're carrying a different amount of wide receivers or a different amount of tight ends, which, goodness, they carry four. Well, they usually would if Seth the Val was healthy. Um, then I think it becomes a numbers game on special teams, and obviously that's been a horrific problem for them uh, so far through four games. And that's something, I, I mean, I, I just don't know how to fix, other than getting – Jabril Peppers off the return team because I think he's back there guessing. But I got to find a guy who can return some kicks. And right now, I'll take anybody who can call a fair catch or, or make a smart decision inside the tent. We got to get that figured out because that's that's some rough business that they're dealing with. And it's it's right now it's costing football games. Yeah, yeah. What well, Ken? Why don't you think uh, Hugh just doesn't get rid of Amos and just get someone else in? Well, because it, it it's been such a short time. Uh, I think that that's a for us. It's just get him in, get him out. If they can't do the job, get them out. Um, but they're, they're a tight-knit group. Coaches are always tight-knit. And so that, that's the absolute last thing they want to do. Uh, but I don't know. The way he, the way he talked this week, it, it seems like maybe Sunday could be a day of reckoning for him. And if this special teams costs them another game, fans bring a lot of heat on these guys. And so if that costs them another game, Monday might be rough. Monday might – see a change in special teams already with the coaching staff. 
Okay, great. Yeah, it was just a it was just a bizarre signing when Amos came in, having run the worst special teams unit in the NFL for the last five years. I would have taken a punt on sort of a assistant where there's good special teams or taking someone from college and the DVOA rankings came out and the Browns were dead last. Um, they were almost double as worse as the team ranked in 31st and it was the lowest special team rankings of any team in the database since Buffalo in 2000. It's not just bad, it's historically bad um, and something's got to change. And if I I was, usually, usually I, I want to look at this team because they've been so young over the last couple of years and they've been so inexperienced. And I think you're, you're first off, you're trying to get guys who can play every down for you or, or most downs for you on offense and defense. And then you take that second and third team. Well, if you don't have a lot of depth, that means those second and third team guys who aren't that very good. Those are the ones usually playing special teams for you. So that's the way I try to explain it away. But this, this is, this is uncharted territory, you guys. And so, one, you could say, well, a guy can't kick a field goal. A guy can't kick a field goal. you got to make a change there. That's, that's something you can change out. But you can't cover kicks. You can't do some of that other stuff. That's an attention to detail thing that your job is predicated on that if you're a player. And if you can't get that out of a guy, then I have to look at the guy, and then i got to look at the guy getting it out of the guy. So that's, again, why Sunday might be a pivotal day for Amos Jones because if it costs you another one on special teams, the fans are going to go nuts, and they'll boo you right in the stadium, and then you're going to have to answer questions for this because you'll be at 1-3-1, one, and, one, and you have not played like a one-win football team. This, this is a 500-football team at least, and some people would say certainly a lot better than that. I won't go that far. You're still young, but they're certainly better than what they are. Okay, great. And um, thanks for that, Ken. And one of our fans, the, the, the Browns Dream at Twitter, said, why can't we defend tight ends? Have you got the answer to that, Ken? Well, I, I think <laughs> Jamie Collins has been left on, on a lot of guys coming out of the backfield. He's been left on a lot of running backs, been left on a lot of tight ends. I think he's had his problems doing that. Joe Schobert, I think, did the very best he could but he's had a couple of problems doing that. You're, when you don't have Christian Kirksey, that's where I think that you've missed Christian Kirksey over that. Now, against the Raiders, I thought it was a little bit better. Some people disagree. That's fine. But when you have Christian out there, Christian is very quick, and so he's good in pass coverage. When he wasn't there against New Orleans and he wasn't there in game three, game three against the Jets, then I think you run into trouble there. So the tight end running back combination – the quick bubble screens, things like that. It's tough when you don't have a guy who can move as laterally as Christian. Okay, great. Thanks for that. And um, I'm doing a podcast. You. Sorry, I'm talking to them. They're walking out behind me. Go ahead. I'm listening. Is anyone famous, Ken? <laughs> we have Gibbs over here. We have Bo Bishop over here. Hello, Bo. They're talking to you and they're talking my, to me. These are buddies in London. Say hi. Oh, hey, guys. Hi. Hey, uh, who's his uh, – his uh, EPL team of, of record. Sorry, uh, Bo, what's that? Who's your, who's your team in the premiership? Uh, with me and Jack are both Chelsea fans. Chelsea, the Blues, baby. <laughs> Beautiful. How's that your, uh, unbelievable. How's your Sunspell uh, T-shirts coming on? Oh, my God, he knows about my Sunspell t I'm wearing the underwear right now. Let's not say it, hey? Holy no, I'm not going to do it. No, that's, I, get, I get my underwear <laughs> only from there. Only from there. People go, oh, you can't believe you get underwear from England. I'm like, no, no, this, try it once, and then you'll know. 
Well, as a man of refinement, of course, he's not going to go to the. Well, guys, we want to get we will get you on the show as well in the future. Yeah. What was that part, buddy? We want to get you on the show in the future as well. Uh, this would be a, a pure joy for me. It's a lot of fun. I got to go pick up my kid. Yeah, go enjoy your Take day. Take care. Sorry about that, Bo. Sorry to bring you in, but thank Sorry, you very no, much, buddy. And the whiskey. Yeah, of course, you got your whiskey over there, too. <laughs> Sorry, Paul. Go ahead, bud. No worries. Uh, next, next question for you. Got an eye on the time for you as well. How many Browns wins do you think we're going to get for the season? Well, I don't want to. I don't want to play schedule game. I think they can get – right now, I still think they can get five or six – uh, man, if they can get if they can get six or seven, I, I think that's going to do a world of difference because when you have six or seven wins, you're convinced. If you have less than that, you're going to have people who wonder about the quarterback. You got six or seven wins. That means the quarterbacks helped you out. Then you can check that off. And once you check that off, this this draft becomes different. You're drafting best player available, obviously, but you have to change that a little bit because then you're thinking about what's going to be able to accentuate Baker, which then turns guys differently for the best player available. And so you turn your attention differently towards wide receivers, tight ends, guys the passer as well. You know, there's so many differences that you could have. So if you get six or seven wins, first off, the draft isn't as big, but you're trying to help out Baker. You know you got a quarterback then, or you feel you got a quarterback. You feel strongly about that. And then you got people making playoffs. And so that puts even more expectation on you. And then, you know, if worse comes to worse, it becomes a – if you know you have a quarterback, it becomes such a attractive job for so, somebody if you, if you have to let people go. So you are – if Baker continues to show his talent, you're sitting in the catbird seat because you're going to win, and then you're going to have an attractive job if things don't go the right way. But if you get six or seven wins, we're talking, we're talking trying to get to the playoffs next year. The first time uh, since – I mean, seriously, since I was, what, just out of high school when I was in college? That'd be an incredible change. Incredible change. Yeah. All right, excellent. And uh, one last, last question. What's your very, very, very hot take for the Browns this season? We want something a bit crazy, a bit different. Oh, jeez. I got one for next season. Gobby this season. Because oh, <laughs> I really want to give a hot take, and I don't know if any of my takes are hot. I think well, Austin Corbett. I think Austin Corbett might be tried out at center next year. Okay. I want to know how. I, I want to see how J.C. Treader does this year. He's been. He's gotten a little bit better as time gone on. I know some people have been worried about Kevin Zeitler, so it might be a guard position. But I want to see how I can work out with that man because I know he's messed around with the position before. And I don't want people to give up on Austin Corby. you got to develop guys. Now, college offenses are changing. That means the offensive linemen are changing. And we're seeing guys who really need to be developed and not necessarily plug and play anymore. So if we're only a month in. Don't give up on that young man. He's got some talent. You just got to get it out of him. you got to have some patience. Now, with me, I, I liked Austin Corby as a player. I just hated the pick. Because you've got holes on the team and you've got Betonio and you've got uh, Zeitler. It was like, get, get me one of them. There was four players I wanted. I wanted Gasecki, Sutton, um, Josh Jackson or Harold Landry. It was like those were the four. It was like, I want two of them four and that would have been me. Great. I, would have, I wouldn't have had Chubb and I wouldn't have had uh, Corbett. I think they're both going to be great players. But at the same time, those oh, are the four that I think would have given us more. Are you, are you talking about Cortland Sutton? Yeah. 
Because I was right there with you. I think Cortland Sun's a hell of a ball player. He's already proven it so far to catch basically everything thrown to, thrown at him. It, it, wide receivers are such a hit or miss thing. Uh, you know, the, I love Laquan Treadwell coming out of the draft that they took Corey Coleman. Both guys, or at least Laquan Treadwell, still in the league. But um, you know, I think both of those guys, I, I I thought could give you something. But man, I like Michael Thomas being here in Ohio. Thought that he and he could still catch anything thrown to you. I love Stephon Diggs. He's been really good. It seems that the, the, the fans, the players who the fans like coming out of college are the ones that have been able to do well. I, I wonder if general managers have been overthinking it. Because Cortland Sutton, you know, he comes from a school like SMU. There's a little bit of winning, not a whole bunch. Uh, the quarterback play is spotty. But, man, he plays very, very well. And so I can't take that away from you there. I didn't mind the Corbett pick. Some people didn't like it. I, I'm glad you didn't bring it up. Because I thought you might go to the whole, well, we need a left tackle. you got to take a left tackle. If, if he's just listed as a left tackle, but you don't think the guy's any good, then you just shoot yourself in the foot. So, you know, we'll see. How, I, again, I don't want to give up on him. But, no, I, I can respect that. Certainly I respect that. You know, it's a, it, it, I think it's a thing where you, you're going to have to try to trust him. But if he, if he misses, you have absolutely every right to criticize. Every right to criticize. It's just it's, it's going to take a little bit of time. Because as we're finding out in Kansas City right now, I can't believe I'm saying this, uh, Cam Irvin, Irving has become a bit of a player. And I'm shocked. But he was a guy that was thrust in because he was a first-round pick. And they did not do any favors by him whatsoever. And it really, it really muddied up the situation and had him guessing. And now that he's had more stable coaching, uh, better offensive line system around him, He's been able to start to grow as an offensive lineman, and I thought he was going to be a flat-out bust. And he's putting together a he's starting to he's starting to put himself together a decent career, starting to do it. All right, great. Well, look, Ken, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. For all our global fans, not just in America, Britain, around the world, where can we find your details? Uh, it's on Twitter at Ken Carmen on Twitter. Uh, I'm not sure how it goes in London. Damn, I didn't realize that. Either way, radio.com app, 6 to 10 Eastern, 92.3 The Fan, um, 92.3thefan.com, the whole shebang, and then, of course, on the Browns Radio Network, the University Hospitals, Cleveland Browns Radio Network. I'm sorry. I, I wish I had more time with you guys. I'd love to join you guys again, maybe even after the season. If you want, you just let me know. Ken, it's been an absolute pleasure. I look forward to seeing you in uh, Bria or Absolutely. at the stadium. Oh, yeah. Oh, I may see you in Bria next time I'm in Cleveland, eh? Hoping so, my friend. Hoping so. Thank you so much. Go smash Dorsey's interview next, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. All right, guys. Take care. Thank you. It's been a blast. Thank you. Thank you.